Your task, watching the grandchildren for several hours. Your dilemma, what if something non-life-threatening goes wrong on your watch? Do you mention it to the parents when they come home, coming clean with them, or do you choose to keep it quiet, or maybe soft-pedal it or gloss it over, hoping the grandchildren don't, in the coming days, expand on what happened? I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this week's episode of The Grand Life, we talk about transparency when watching your grands. This happens to be a very pertinent subject. It's pertinent for us this week because we did our we did more than the average amount of grand watching over the last couple of weeks, and there was an incident. An incident that is perfect for our running segment. This week in grandparenting. We had two occasions when we were watching grandchildren overnight or late into the night this week. The first one was when our one of our adult couples went out for four hours and we were tasked with putting the grands to bed. Well, it's usually not a big deal. In fact, one of the things I love about this particular couple is that they are very laid back about us watching their kids. They don't have any expectations other than just keeping them alive. Which isn't as low a bar as you would think. Sometimes (laughs) there's a lot to that. Yeah. Well, okay, we did do that. We did keep them alive. But first of all, before I say anything else, these kids, these grands usually go to bed so well. So we hardly ever have any trouble with them. They're just very easy to deal with. And I knew that our adult kids were tweaking bedtime a little bit. So that plays into and kind of factors into the whole situation with them. Um, They told us that they're not going upstairs anymore and engaging with them as much when they fuss about going to bed, if they fuss. And they had happened to have just come back from a, a long trip where they were away. So they were fussing a little more than normal and their parents were having to go up to engage with them. So they were saying, we just don't do that anymore. And if they come down, um, just send them back upstairs. And it's been working well for us. Well, uh, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> so when the kids were upstairs and I was downstairs, you you weren't there, right? I, I was you, off doing errands. Right. And I was just hearing lots of crying and drama, and especially from the older one. And I was thinking, what is going on up there? That is so unusual. And, you know, it, it kind of went on for some time. And I kept thinking, that's so strange. I'm sure that it'll get better or he'll finally fall asleep. Because but, it usually does, because he usually does. Right. And so I didn't want to bother the parents by texting them. And they were in a situation, in fact, where it would have been a big disturbance to contact them. So I was kind of waiting on that. And I thought, well, I'll just let them cry it out. Well, I say them. One of them was crying. The other one, the younger one, was being very quiet. And uh, when I went upstairs, which I wasn't going to do, but then I went upstairs to try to talk to them. And the older one was very upset. Don't touch me. I don't want you to sit on my bed, blah, blah, blah. And the younger one was looking a little traumatized (laughs) by the whole thing. I went back downstairs because I thought it was going to be okay. Uh, but, But the older one kept with the very emotional, very upsetting, wanting to make sure when are mom and dad coming home. And I tried to explain to him you know, time and how time works because he wanted to know. And I said it was probably going to be about three or four hours. Or actually, at that point, I was saying two hours because he was going on so long. And he was like, what is two hours? And I was saying, well, 
you know, two hours is like half of preschool, like when you have your snack at preschool kind of thing. And he got that and he kind of settled down. Then he would start crying again and very, very upset. He just wanted his parents. And uh, it was inconsolable. Yeah, he really was. And, you know, if I had known that was going to last for two and a half hours, that crying thing, I would do it completely differently. I would have probably brought him, I should have brought both of them downstairs. Instead, what I did was I took one of them to another bedroom and let him go to sleep because he was exhausted and he kept getting yelled at. So he yelled at by his older brother. So I was like, okay, we'll just put him somewhere else. And he fell asleep immediately. What I should have done, I guess, when I think about it now, is I should have brought the other one down and let him sleep on the couch or just sit and watch, you know, Bluey for a few episodes until he did fall asleep. But this was kind of a new experience for you, right? It was, and I I felt bad. I mean, obviously it was keeping them alive. (laughs) But by the time he fell asleep, it had been two and a half hours, and it was about time for the event that the parents were at to be over, so I texted them. And after a bit, by the time they got back to me, I was spent emotionally. I had called you. I was, like, very upset. It was very hard because it's hard emotionally to listen to your grandchildren crying. And, uh, oh, tell me. Yeah, and I was I was like, oh, man. You deal with it a lot better than I do. Yeah, and I didn't want to, like, overstep or do anything wrong. So anyway, we ended up, when the parents came home, we had to process the whole thing and talk to them about it because I guess we believe that's really important to tell tell everything to your your adult kids and make sure they can make the decision of how it's handled the next morning, how they want to deal with it, and how maybe instruct us on what we should do next time. So anyway, I have to say, I kind of wish I'd just kept my mouth shut and not shared what had happened. Why? Well, it was just, I guess he was fine the next day. He never said anything. So so I could have just glossed it over and he wouldn't have said anything about it, I don't think. But again, his parents probably did prompt him and ask him about it now that I think about it because we had already processed it. The The second situation in This Week in Grandparenting was another opposite situation where the we put the child to bed. and Different went, set of grands. Yeah, different set of grands. Different circumstances. Yeah, put the child to bed. No problem. Nothing happened. But I was talking to her about the whole situation. I was talking to my daughter-in-law about the whole situation and said, The mother of these children. Right. I said, if something had happened, would you want me to tell you? And she said, of course. And she mentioned to me something where a babysitter was watching her child. And there was like a little scratch on his tummy. And she texted immediately with a picture and said, there's a scratch on his tummy. I don't know where that came from. I just want you to know it's there. And, you know... So my daughter-in-law was saying, you know, that's that was what I would want to know because um, next time I open his sleeper, if I see a little scratch in his tummy, I'm going to want to know where that came from. So I don't know. Do you think all grandparents are transparent? Do you think they – I mean, we obviously think that's important to do, but do you think all grandparents are? I'm pretty confident that not all grandparents are transparent because I think that um, – you know, when we were children, I think there would have been a lot of judgment applied to whether or not a sitter, you know, goes into a bunch of detail about something that may not have gone as planned and might have made a decision about whether or not um, whether or not it rises to the level of being talked about. Yeah. And one of the reasons I believe that is that I can easily see a child 
talking to their own parent about something that didn't go well and the child might not have been fully believed because children don't quite understand things sometimes. Children exaggerate things. It's all yeah. it's all true, but you know, we're now living in a place and a time where we listen to and put great weight on the validity of everything that our children tell, tell Probably us. Probably as we should. Probably. You know, so what is the reasoning behind being transparent? First of all, trust, right? But that can backfire because if you make a mistake, they'll never trust you again. <laughs> you know, they could maybe never trust you again. So I think that is one reason why people, uh, grandparents, hold back and try to gloss over something because they're like, well, I don't want to lose my visitation rights. Visitation. <laughs> I don't want anything to go wrong. And so if I tell them, they might not trust me. So it's a kind of a double edged sword, the trust thing. Yeah. Um, but, but let's be honest, that's a little short sighted. I think so. And, you know, the other reason maybe it could be traumatizing, whatever happened could be traumatizing to the grand, and they might misconstrue what happened and say something that would make that whole scenario worse, like you said. So the whole thing is kind of interesting, the dilemma. I think that the temptation is there to gloss over things. And, you know, if there's not a bump or a bruise or an ev any evidence, maybe just keep it to yourself. Try to keep an even keel. Yeah. Try not to overreact. Right. You don't want to look up like a bad grandparent. You want to seem like the best grandparent ever. So you would not reveal what was happening. But I know for a fact that there are grandparents who don't tell the parents, for example, if they give something to the grands that the parents don't want them to have. There's an example. I was just talking to somebody uh, who is a nanny. And so this isn't a really grandparent situation, but it could be, could be a grandparent situation. There was a little boy who kept asking the nanny for dark milk. Well, it sounded like duck milk. I want duck milk. I want duck milk. And she did not understand what duck milk was. So finally she asked the mother, what is duck milk? And the mom's like, I have no idea. I don't know what duck milk would be. And then eventually the nanny figured out that it was dark milk, which is chocolate milk, which the mother had said was totally off limits. No chocolate milk for this child. But the father... Ah, <laughs> there's a third party here. Yes. The father was telling the son, just between you and me, I'm going to give you some dark milk, which meant chocolate milk. But he told, he called it dark milk in order for the kid to never tell the mother that he was having chocolate milk. <laughs> so what exactly did that father think was going to happen? Yeah, I know. Yay. Like, but that's, that brings up the idea that you should never put your grandchild in, in the situation where you're saying, don't tell them I'm doing this because that's, that's even worse than hiding like not saying something about a bumper bruise or something that wouldn't cause a bumper bruise. This is even worse. This is telling a child, keep it to yourself. It's just between you and me. That's just uncalled for That's and not right. That's teaching the child that there's something about which they cannot trust their parents. Right. Bad on all levels. So, you know, I think transparency in general builds trust. And you want your adult kids to trust you. You want them to know that they're going to get an honest answer. And I hate to be a cynic about it, you know, when I say, well, I think there are some grandparents who don't tell everything, but I pretty much believe there are grandparents who gloss over and don't tell and say, oh, everything was great all the time. 
Everything is great is not, it can't happen all the time. <laughs> As is evidenced by our situation. <laughs> Let's talk for a minute about nervous parents. Mm. That might be one reason that grandparents would rather be less transparent than more because they perceive that their adult children are nervous, high-reacting parents. Mm -hmm. What do you do about that? Yeah, that's hard. You know, some parents are very protective, and so they have, like, a lot of rules around everything that you do, and it makes not just nervous parents, but it makes nervous grandparents because you're, you know, always second-guessing yourself and always worrying about everything. You know, it's interesting because one of our adult kids, uh, the Wh- family— Which I would not consider to be nervous I don't consider parents, them nervous the parents, but they have the ability to see everything on their Nest camera. So how does that make you feel as a grandparent? I mean, does it make you feel safer or more worried? Well, we've all been having stomach aches over surveillance out in public, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Traffic cameras, public spaces, things like that. Uh, So now it's happening inside the household. Right. And it's no more comfortable to me now than it has been for 15 years out in public places. Yeah. It's It's just more consistent. It's just a little weird, though. I mean, like, I remember the first time I was there when the parents were out of town and I fed the dog. It was still, the dog was still a puppy. And they said something about, I see that you fed the dog. That's great. And I thought, oh, I didn't, I didn't know there was a camera in here watching me feed the dog. This is weird. Back in the old days, we'd look in the dish and see if there was food left. But now <laughs> well, it's, we're out of town. Now it's being watched in real time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was they were gone for several days. Yeah, right. right. But it was just weird, and and I, it does. I don't know if it makes me feel safer or more worried. I mean, I that same family who has a Nest camera. Um, this last time when we were watching their child, uh, I was trying to get a a shirt off of off of his head and i mean he's a little tight little. Right? He, yeah i mean he's only a, a year old and i was trying to get this shirt off and it was like a muscle shirt i couldn't i could not like figure out how to extricate him from the shirt and i mean i literally was thinking i've got to do what like the emts do and cut him out of it because i was so, so worried that there was a camera somewhere that was watching me try to get him out of the shirt and of course he was not happy with me trying to get that thing off so i was like extricating his one arm and then I was looking all over for snaps to try to get him out of it without causing damage. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I was sweating it out a little bit, worried that the parents might think I was a really bad grandparent because I couldn't get the shirt off of him. But I, And I actually said something the next day because, and they were like, yeah, that's the last time that shirt's going to get used. <laughs> <laughs> because they recognized that when they put it on, how difficult it was to get off. So, I mean, these are the kinds of things I'm talking about. I'm not talking about life-threatening incidents. I'm talking about little things that happen and that you're just worried that might, you know, if they, especially if they have a Nest camera. So another one of our children has a camera where they can see everything that happens outside. And so they could talk to their kids. They were gone across the country. And they could talk to their kids when the kids are, like, running around outside. And that was a little weird too. <laughs> I was a little bit like stunned when I heard my daughter's voice coming out of the ring camera on their um, doorbell. doorbell. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> that plays into the worst fears of those nervous parents. Yes. And what I really wanted to say was, you know, 
have fun on your vacay. Don't worry about what the kids are doing outside. Yeah. They're right. not nervous parents, but they are very mindful. And, you know, health scares or other, or, you know, broken limbs, things like that, that yeah, have happened in the past. Happened. Sometimes we'll make parents want to really uh, stay close. Right. Electronically speaking to their children when they are away from home. And I get that and I understand that. And, you know, it's a new world that we live in and it's okay, but yeah. it's different. It's a whole different world. I mean, because they can, they do. I mean, we couldn't do that. There was no way to watch them. So, I mean, basically, I think our instructions to our parents was have fun and I hope they're still alive when yeah. we come back. Yeah, and, and don't don't worry too much while you're gone. Right. We'll, we'll make the best of it. Yeah. But now the technology infrastructure makes everything transparent. So whether you as grandparents want to be transparent with your adult children or not, understand there's an infrastructure that runs on its own. So you can... You can decide to go along or you can decide to push back, and that may not go as well as it might have once. Right, and I guess I would suggest that in every circumstance you tell all and hope for the best because if you don't, uh, the grandchildren might, or in some cases, the parents will know anyway. So do, do the best you can and keep them safe and happy and alive. So how's this uh, surveillance thing and transparency thing worked for you? We'd love to hear from you about this or the topics of other episodes that you've heard or would like to hear. A couple of ways that you can get in touch with us are by email, grandlifeconnection at gmail.com, all one word, grandlifeconnection. Or leave us a voicemail at 317-572-7876. Oh, and also... um I was going to remind you yes. that you wanted to ask everybody how they're finding out about the podcast. It's not that I care very much because I'm just not – I'm trying really hard not to be into the numbers, but – Yeah, so the nerdy term for this is discovery. Discovering podcasts, when you have an interest but you haven't found a podcast yet, it's hard. It's tricky. And so there are a lot of competing ideas about the best way to do that. We know that some of you have just discovered us in the current season – and so if you wouldn't mind letting us know through those two means of communicating, or, you, know, you know, one of those two, how have you discovered The Grand Life? I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life. Twins, triplets, multiples in general would seem to be a tricky business as a grandparent. How would you handle that? And would you even know where to start? That's next time on The Grand Life.